Sweat Equity Podcast, the number one comedy business podcast Give me money. in the world. Called into question on this episode, whatever. Our, our guest, Alex Levin. Um, Sniff that right out. Yeah, he, that Levin bread hit hard. Some dough. It's not unleavened. Unleavened bread, whatever. Uh, you know, if you want to check that video out, we're big time on Vimeo. Big time. Vimeo. <laughs> Yeah. Remember that platform? Huge on there. Yeah, I remember. You can go watch the video, or we're putting on YouTube a little bit later after it comes out on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio Podcast. Yeah, yeah. This episode is sponsored by Zupyak. Zup, zup. The first the first search optimized AI writer. What is Zupyak? <laughs> It's a very simplified content writer. I've been using it to crush out blog posts for clients, for my own business, for my own website. Up, Yak. Z-U-P-Y-A-K. And guess what? You want to get the hookup? Holler if you hear me? Well, you get a promo code, promo code discount if you put in sweat, S-W-E-A-T, like sweat equity. Yeah. Like Keith Sweat. Yeah. They are so enthralled with our podcast. They wanted to be a sponsor. Yeah. And if you want to be a BFF of the show, subscribe to the podcast. You wrote hottie toddy in the fucking notes. Are you kidding me? That's been there for, I have to, or I'll forget. Uh, if you want to be our BFF, sorry, sorry. subscribe <laughs> to the pod, rate a five star, give us a little short review, share the show, and let's get this not party started. Hottie toddy. It's called Sweat Equity. Listening to the Sweat Equity Podcast. Hey, sorry to keep you waiting. It's all right. Although we were almost ready to pull to it. Yeah, we almost cut bait. Um, sorry about that. Just uh, trying to finish the last call of the day. It's all good. But you we, guys are great. You know, gotta gotta get this uh, going. So yeah. the, the no shirt, no sleeves, no you know sunglasses. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, well, we're down in Florida, you know, and our future's so bright. Sometimes we gotta we gotta wear some sunglasses, as the rappers say. Yeah, we're we we are rolling. We don't do any uh, kind of pre-interview or anything. We just we try to be efficient for our guests. Alex, yeah. Alex, uh, why don't you tell people where uh, to find you, what you're about? Give them your intro, so we don't have to uh, butcher it. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So my name's Alex. I'm the founder and CEO of Regal, and we're a product uh, for outbound contact centers. So we provide phone and SMS tools for outbound contact centers to reach customers, convert them, um, drive more revenue. Uh, if you want to email me, you can reach me at hello at regal.io or just go to regal.io and see more about Regal. Wow. Give him the email out. Yeah, ballsy. I mean, it's not. What's your phone number? It's not eleven at. Uh, oh, you do. <laughs> you know, at every company, I've also always had a app, but you know, I I sort of give a app out publicly, so I know it goes to like a different inbox. So that's not my uh, my like day to day email. Well, um, I want to hear about Regal, 
and and how you founded it and everything and went to and lead go to market teams. Um, we two questions we got to ask up front. One, have you listened to this podcast before? <laughs> I'm not actually. Okay, that's that's Perfect. normal. Yes. Yeah, people come into it blind. We're the number one comedy business podcast in the world. Yeah. Maybe no, ever. Or ever. Probably yeah, ever. Because there's. So this is like when I go talk to my mother in law and she says she won a triathlon and I need to ask her, was she the only one in her age group for the triathlon? Are you guys the only one in that category of comedy Busted. business? Did Busted. you go to Harvard or something? Oh, man. You're a genius, dude. Uh, <laughs> And uh, well, like when my father says he got second, and I go, "Were you playing tennis? Like, is it that kind of competition?" Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's no one else in the genre, but we yeah. we uh, we are a category killer. Yeah, most people don't like to dive in like that and call us out. They just let it slide. They assume yeah, there's competition. To be a bit nice. I'm no, I appreciate it. Good. Look, man, he, we love it. He didn't get to where he is by not thinking like that. Right. Um, uh, the other question we ask everybody that comes on for the first time, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? Ooh, Ooh yeah, that hits you hard. You didn't think – you thought, advice, you thought, it, you life advice you thought we were just a bunch of Florida hicks coming on. <laughs> yeah. My Tell founder it. is a Florida – my co-founder is a Florida hick. I shouldn't call her that. Uh-huh. Did you well, we're cut well, off T-shirts and everything. You think – it hit you hard, man. It got you right in the soul. Yeah, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? It can be anything, but you travel back in time. You're in a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, telephone booth. You come out. You grab yourself by the lapels. Uh, I'm wondering, should we be putting a time limit on this question for people? Like, you only have 30 seconds. No, I don't know. I'm just I'm vamping. I'm, I'm, I'm just, vamping I'm so just he can, formulating. I'm, I'm, like, I'm vamping a little bit so he has a little time to What do you think, think I, I was doing? I know, yeah. <laughs> but I remember being that age, and it's just you have – whoever you are, you're in a phase where it's so awkward and there's so much like pressure on yourself to go and do things, whatever it is, you know, that you like in life or you want to do in life. And I think like looking back, I wish I had known that sort of the process matters more than the result. As long as you're going and doing things and, you know, learning about new stuff and making sort of new friends and moving forward, like you're going to be fine. Like, you know, this idea that like, oh, a door closes and my life is over is just not real. Like, you know, one door closes, another one opens. Everything's fine. Like, I've made enormous mistakes in my life. But in the end of the day, like, you get through it and it's fine. And I think as a 13-year-old, like, you just don't have the perspective to understand that. And, you know, as you get through life, you realize, like, yeah, it's not, you know, everything's going to be okay. So that's your answer to yourself? <laughs> that's what you're going to tell yourself? That's what I'm telling myself, yeah. Good. Well, you speak you. So I, I guess I, w- I would be like, that's a lot of information. I don't know what any of this means. Um what uh coach is 13 year old well uh, what yeah were you entrepreneurial as a kid did you what kind of family did you grow up in what was the environment yeah i mean my father ran a small business so that definitely gave us a lot of perspective at the dinner table of sort of you know buy low sell high like what actually happens day to day like the ups and downs and hard parts about running a business uh you know we had little things that we did on the side but never started a real business for sure and then I went to work after school for tech businesses. I think I understood pretty early that there was something magical in tech businesses where you can have a very small group of people building something, doing something that impacted a huge number of people. And that's the, the sort of leverage of technology, right? Instead of having to go and install windows in every single home, which is 
hard to scale. By using technology, you can instantly go have impacts on lots of people. And so I've been through this now a couple of different times. And then this is actually the first time my co-founder and I are the founders ourselves. And so while we've seen it and we've been sort of number two, we've never actually been in that seat. And that's a whole other experience. Yeah, you were a product manager at, at Reuters, right? Um, also <clears throat> at Handy, <laughs> which was acquired by Angie. You know, Angie's List. Handy the... The, no, not the, not the handy you use, not that app. No, the food stores. <laughs> That's the Jack Shack. The food app. stores, like handy. How many, you, how many bad handy part, jokes have you heard? So, yeah, part of this that's very amusing. So the founder of the company was Irish, and when he was getting married, he decided to do it in Ireland. So all of us flew over there for his wedding, and we're getting in the car and telling him where we're going and what we're doing. And the, the taxi cab driver was like, "Seriously, like that's the name of your company?" So like, first of all, like they all like love that joke, but even worse is. You know, the company had successful in the States. And anytime they wrote about him in Ireland, they'd always say, oh, so-and-so runs this big company that, you know, does handy jobs. <laughs> and like, they handy handy. Jobs. And so his grandmother was convinced, first of all, that he was either some sexual deviant or that he was like the world's greatest like tinkerer and handyman. Uh-huh. He didn't understand he ran the technology business that like served all these customers. So like people had a very weird impression of him. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, lo- I love, the, the name has sticking power. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Stick to the page power. I feel like I had to, I have, I, have, I wrote about 10 yeah. of these. Oh, my brain hurts. <laughs> I wrote about 10 so of these. We bought a domain, actually, from a German company. doesn't do what you think. They sell cell phones, because in Germany, a handy is a cell phone. Interesting. Yeah, oh, I'm going to use that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're really, you went to Germany, which is uh, probably sexual deviant capital, maybe Japan, I don't know. Sure, yeah. Also <laughs> comedy, they love jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah, real good crowds. Real just, you know, boisterous. Yeah. <laughs> they, I don't think they get sarcasm, from what I understand. No, 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 no. 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 Robot people. Yeah. yeah. But, but, that was a whole experience, is going to buy that, that domain and sort of the process of going through that. Tell us about it. We got time. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you can imagine, I guess, a little bit, right? So to your point, you know, we, we uh, at the time didn't own the domain and had to start figuring out who owned this. And like everyone assumed it was pornography or something like terrible. And it turned out it was the cell phone company. And, you know, we had to like explain to them why an American company that had nothing to do with cell phones and they thought was probably something to do with sexual deviants wanted to buy this. Because, you know, we did it anonymously. They didn't know what our company did. And so I think they were worried that they were going to sell it to somebody who's going to create a very strange website. I'm curious, what was the price tag on it? Because the domain brokerage thing is kind of interesting to me. I feel like you can it's cyber squatting of sorts a lot yeah, of people are doing. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can be. If I, I can neither confirm nor deny exactly the amount, but assume it's between $500,000 and a million dollars for a domain whoa. like that. So Damn. like take current brand name. So I'll give you a funny story about our current brand name. So uh, Regal.com is owned by GM, it turns out, not Regal Cinemas. And GM is Regal. Regal. And I emailed them at some point and said, hey, you know, we'd love to have this domain. No response. And I kept emailing them, no response. And finally, I called, you know, every Friday for a couple of Fridays in a row, the head of their domain uh, management group. And she happened to answer one day. And I said, hey, I'm Alex. So, you know, I'm trying to inquire about this domain. She goes, oh, I know who you are. Turns out, like, GM had been, like, spinning up a whole group to think about whether they should allow us to buy this domain. They hadn't even responded to me. So it's a perfect big company thing where that responding to me, they went and did, you know, six people's worth of work for a couple of months to decide whether to give it to us or not. 
still under consideration, but we, we don't own the domain yet. I like that tenacity, though. That's like, hey, every Friday I'm going to annoy this lady uh, no matter what. And Oh, she was happy to talk to me. I just couldn't believe that they had done six people's work <laughs> without telling me. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's definitely like corporate red tape. Right, bureaucratic like, <laughs> all the way. Like, then nobody thought to email the man back. No. And, and as your founder, of, if anybody needs the real website, regal.io, just as a reminder. Um, we own regal.ai also, I think redirect. So, you know, if you're into that kind of thing. Are, are you guys implementing AI or are you just uh, promoting an AI that isn't really AI like a lot of people are? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But what happened in our case is sort of funny. When we started the business, largely the principle was that we were using customers' sort of behavior to personalize a lot of the outreach for these large brands. So, you know, we work with SoFi and AAA and your old employer. And, you know, based on what they know about you, they're trying to make sure that the outreach is relevant, they have the right message, they're reaching the right channel, the right time. Um, and we always knew that AI could accelerate that aim and, you know, do it better. But it was quite difficult to use some of that technology. So we said, forget it. So now with the new large language models, it's actually accelerated the roadmap in that area significantly because all of a sudden we can do it quite easily. So I think companies that are trying to build something on AI from scratch, that's hard. But if you have an existing set of customers, an existing workflow, and you can say, how do I use AI to make it easier for them to do X, Y, and Z? That's great. So for our customers, it's just, you know, how do we use AI to make their lives easier and reach more customers, so on and so forth. So would it be fair to say, um, you, you know, when you're founding a, a, a SaaS or tech company, I don't know what you would, I guess, declare it. Um, you're filling a need, and the need really, from what I could gather, just by kind of very looking at it very quickly, was you're kind of bridging that gap between SMS and other outbound, so that it's all in one journey for the outbound kind of marketing. Is that fair to say? With some automation, yeah. Basically, what happened is everyone who shops online now expects to have the rest of their life online. But in things like, you know, healthcare, insurance, education, a website's not enough. And so the customer who's deciding what to do for their next four years of school needs to still talk with the brand. And what we, the gap we fill is how do we make sure that that customer and that brand can have a good conversation about it and drive to an outcome? And so, you know, uh, we use SMS and phone mostly because those are the main channels. But, you know, one day it could be holographic heads-up display. We care less what the channel is. We care about that connection happening in the right context in the right moment so that, you know, that customer can feel like one in a million. When it was a local little school and you went in and they treated you very like a special person, you felt that. What's happened online a lot of the times is brands treat everybody the same and you don't feel that same level of personal service. I think we're trying to bring that level of personal service back even at huge scale. It's not the special person school that you were just talking about earlier where you get pulled out of class so you can read slower. Yeah, I was off air. I was telling him. Uh, it's different. My daughter tested very well, and I was like, I always feel like the end of Forrest Gump uh, where he's like, he's not, he's not dumb like, like <laughs> me. Like, thank God they got that. Thank God they got my ex-wife's uh, academic prowess because yeah. my ADD was off the chain. And then I, they off would the chain. They, they would, uh, they would shuffle you if you're a bad reader at the school I went to. Shout out to St. Mary's Episcopal Day School. If you couldn't read well, which I couldn't, and I was by myself most of the time. Yeah, uh, in this accelerated reader program, and. I remember the teacher would always get frustrated uh, because I was so bad at reading out loud. 
So anyway, um, that's well, it's weird. They call okay. it accelerated. My son yeah. goes to Montessori at the Montessori program. I've been told they Ooh. don't teach reading. the kids teach themselves to read. Yeah, I don't like that like, shit. What? what? Yeah, you show me that one. Your, as you say, your kids went there, or you went to a Montessori? No, no, my kids are in a Montessori program, and they don't in, a, in Montessori. They don't teach reading. They they sort of it, it's a emergent property out of the like primordial soup of kids playing with each other. Yeah, I uh, I, I would trust. Part, I could be talked either way on that. Part of me goes, that's just lawless, and we need we need order. Yeah, uh, for sure. But part of me is like. All the kids that's what, what, well, you know, what they do when they're little. Kids anyway. are going to Montessori. You know, they're not. You know, they're usually a little bit smarter. So maybe they figure it out. Or is that where the AI comes in? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think what ends up happening is the parents end up teaching them because that's kind of what's <laughs> see. Right. Yeah, that's I don't like default. that. That's the whole. You know, the whole point of school is you know. I'm guessing you got talked minute. into that by the by your. Uh, look, I love the Montessori program overall. I think this is just one area that they. Yeah, they're going to re-examine that in a few years, I bet. Yeah. Now, where where are you zooming in from right now? What city are you? In? So right now, actually in Colorado. So I, I, our, we're based in New York. I grew up in New York. Uh, our office is actually like two blocks from the house I grew up in, which is crazy. Really? Um, but my wife is from Colorado, and so I'm out here at the moment. Um, which it's beautiful out in Colorado. Yeah. What part of New York though did you grow up in? That's interesting. Um, I grew up on 29th and Broadway. So you're, uh, one, you're one of the rare success stories of Manhattan kids that <laughs> grew up there. I feel like the, the the read I get from a lot of New York comics is they tell me the kids that grow up in Manhattan are like drug addicts. They're doing coke by like eighth grade a lot of the time or something. Well, yeah, like that. but I mean they always have a golden parachute usually. That's what that's yeah, yeah that's part of it. There's a, like anywhere, there's a huge variety. There are kids that took advantage of, uh, you know, education and, you know, things that they had in life, and there are kids that didn't. But, uh, you know, I think what's wild is, like, literally our office, like, looks into the apartment I grew up in. That's wild. Oh, man. What was the uh, the small business your dad had? Uh, so, like, a steel service center. So, basically, they bought, they bought steel from... Uh, steel mills internationally they look like you know huge toilet paper rolls have you ever seen like how steel is shipped Mm -hmm. you know but they're like 10 feet high and then they in the united states uh process it so they cut it into certain pieces or uh color it or laminate it and they'd sell it to manufacturers in the united states that would make anything from an auto part to a you know decorative tin with that steel sometimes it blows my mind the supply chain stuff how many times it goes through a different entity and that they sell it for this much and that everybody's still making money kind of crazy well i think about that with food waste yeah you know when your your kids waste they're the biggest perpetrators of wasting food and so it's like i I try to explain to them it goes through all these things to get to here right and if you can please eat it because this is the thing that's actually good for you and not gushers you know like right even that has a, yeah. its own well, shock. So what's shocking to me is on one side how incredible it is that they can give you fresh fruit any day of the year. But on the other side, why they can't make a tomato that tastes good 24, you know, whatever hours a day. Right, but you uh, got it quick. You got there quick, year. though. How can they not, like, you know, I, there's like a month period every year that just ended where, like, tomatoes are incredible. And then the rest of the year, tomatoes are terrible. So somebody just needs to solve this problem and, like, make a real tomato every, every month of the year. I agree. I hate tomatoes too. I don't like them on my burger. It gets in the way. Why do you like the tomatoes? He didn't say he hates tomatoes. I, I'm saying mo- eleven months out of the year, he, he's not a fan of them. And uh, oh yeah, but he's still buying them. I don't know. Tomatoes a little overrated. 
If I'm if I'm doing a ve- if I'm doing a vegetable chart, they won't be on it because they're not a vegetable. Idiot. Yeah. So oh yeah, if they're fruit, you're right. If they're fruit, pineapple's number one. If we're gonna do, let's do power ranking. This okay, a, mine's mango. Si- Mango's first for me. Mango? Yeah, hell yeah, mango. Alex, what what what's your number one? Oh, I'm, I'm on his side on this one. Mango? You know, hell yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, dude. Mango's the best. What are you talking about? Have you had a good mango? Have you had pineapple? Yeah, pineapple's it's up there. I like pineapple. Number but one. Not as much as mango. Mango. Pineapple does weird stuff to your like your uh, taste buds and like I don't know. Oh, what? You mean it, it makes it uh, flavorful, radiant? Yeah, sure. like not as much as mango. Mushrooms though. high, good? Yeah, right. I don't want to get mushroom high off of pineapples. You didn't think we are going to uh, have to rank your <laughs> favorite fruits, did you? This is, this is what you went to Harvard for. So, back to Regal. Uh, what, what do you, what's your why? What's your, what are you passionate about with this company? You know, because it's, yeah. it's a way different experience when it's your baby. You know. Yeah. So my, you know, my co-founder and I, for years, helped you know uh, uh, build consumer businesses online, and I think still like we love that. Part of what we like about you know Regal is that you know we're still working with a lot of these big consumer businesses. So we get to sit down with you know new online banks and new online life insurers or schools or whatever, and help them think through you know how are we going to create the best possible experience for customers online. And so certainly like part of the fun is like building a company. We, we are just, we'd like that aspect of building something new for sure. That's fun for us. Um, but part of it is also getting to work with all these customers doing sort of cool new things online that no one's ever done. And so that's like very sort of enthralling every day. I think, you know, a lot of founders, you know, they sort of are focused on the wrong things. They care about, you know, how many employees they have as a measure of success. Like, that's not success, right? Success in the end is if like you're able to do something really good for your customers and they drive value. And if like the, you know, the team, the small team you have is a really powerful team and you're really having fun working with them. And so I think we've been very discerning about who we hire and careful about that. And it's part of what we've enjoyed the most. Well, especially because you have the product side, you also have your own marketing side, which I assume you use your own product for. Um, Maybe we should sign up and see see what happens. Ooh, see what automation journey we're on. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, I feel like a lot of founders do that as a dick swinging contest. Oh, we got this amount of employees. It's like, well, right. To me, that feels like weight. That feels like a liability. That feels like something you have to, you have to actually care for them and make sure that they're paid. But it doesn't mean you're lean. It doesn't mean like it's efficient. Yeah. Um, that's a terrible measure of success. Yeah, look, you know, the well, humans twenty billion dollars with whatever twenty employees, so it can be done. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's a very unusual business that's able to do that. Yeah, it's really hard to find uh, twenty unicorns, I guess, as they would call it. But um, I, my big question for this platform is: so, with there's a lot of text rules coming out a lot of like laws and stuff how do you how do you get a what is it dm dmc is that what it's called the uh did i get it right is that the right acronym there's too many well, acronyms. Keep going and see what happens like how many letters can you say before you hit the right combination <laughs> well uh, so there's there's a couple there's the the tcpa is uh the rules around like making sure somebody gives you permission before you start sending them texts and calling them and then there's like the federal do not call list 
which you can put yourself on if you don't want somebody to cold call you. So there's a number of different rules. By, by and large, though, we, we don't, we're not anywhere close to the gray area. So there, there are companies historically that would like, you know, basically buy your phone number, do all kinds of terrible things. We have not touched that business. We work with brands where customers are coming to them. They so take, come with intent uh, and they allow you know, Take AAA as a good example, right? You're becoming a member of AAA because you see value in this. It's pretty exclusive. Now you remember though, right? There's millions of other members. And so, you know, if every time you call, they don't remember who you are. If every time they call you, they go, oh, wait, let me read you the same script I gave everybody else. If every time they call you, you go, I told you last time I have a truck, not a, you know, not a sedan. You know, if that keeps happening, you as a customer are going to have a worse and worse experience, right? So overall, like what we care about is making sure that these brands are able to have like much better experiences with their customers. Like that's the the core piece of it. Yeah. So that, you know, anybody that is talking to them on the phone, it, it gives them the cheat sheet of like, okay, I know all I look, I just had the I was, I got a bunch of Ikea stuff, right? And it was all messed up probably from uh, shipping. And so I had to get on the live chat to do it. Mm. Hung up on me, like the live chat hung up on me. It was like, ooh, we're experiencing bear <laughs> stuff. And, stuff that's terrible. And right? I had to this download is- the chat. I had to copy and paste it. I had to do this five times. Oh, that's the worst. You just got to keep typing. <laughs> no, then, I've learned to just copy him. Then they, no, then, then they got, uh, then they go, oh, we're out of stock. We can't send you replacement stuff. You have to talk to us in 24 hours. I'm like, can't you put me in the queue? Already hung up. Can you just <laughs> make a note on your end, maybe? For a long time, companies believed, and I was taught this for years, that customer service was a cost center. And the goal was to digitize as much of it as possible. And then when you try to reach them, deflect the inbound and push you into other channels that didn't require humans. And that was the goal. And I think what companies have realized is you can't keep going in that direction, Right. All that does is degrades the customer experience so much that in, in the end, the customer wants to leave. So you have to look at it differently and start saying, what are the moments in which I can invest in the experience for this customer such that when I invest $1, I get $2 back, right? Could they have done something in that moment that had turned you from not just somebody who wanted to do a return, but somebody who for life always bought Ikea or told everybody else in their life that Ikea was the greatest thing ever? Probably, but they just, they, they missed that opportunity. So you know, yes, like we have, there are, there are compliance sort of uh, frameworks and we are the ones that make sure that our customers fit within those compliance frameworks and don't break the law for sure. And in the end, that's much better for customers because it keeps them from having lots and lots of spam. So yes, we do all that. But more important is this other piece of, again, how do you treat customers like royalty? You know, rethink what you're doing and think about how the things you're going to do are to increase the customer LTV instead of looking at each customer interaction as a call center. Ooh, I like that slogan in there. Treat them like royalty. Regal. I got it. Mm-hmm. Now you got it. Now you know where the name is. Now I get the crown on so the lady. Conferences, we have yeah, a crown really? and, capes and like there's a step and repeat and the whole thing. <laughs> uh, well, it says uh, you just have a benchmark study. I see this in the announcement bar on the top of your site. It says Regal delivers 547% ROI, which is amazing. Very girthy. It tells me we should charge more. That's what it tells me. Uh, yeah, I would like to dig into that. Uh, but it's one of those things where I, I've been reading stuff against customer loyalty that it's overrated in a lot of ways. I would say you're in the pro category of that. It, you know, To have customers that are loyal and advocate 
It's just you never know who, which guy has a podcast that's going to go on there and talk about his experience at IKEA. Just yeah, like, you know, IKEA is going to you on X now or X you on tweet. I don't know. What is yeah. the new like? You know, we're going to call Twitter. We're against. I'm X. not. Yeah, I'm not saying X. It, it's what too is, short. You can't just pick that. Like, you that's terrible. Tweet on X or do you X on X? Like I don't understand how we, we tweet on Twitter. I, I knew and it. I say that, but we don't ever. As of a week ago, you could still get a Twitter, and it's still Twitter.com. Yep, still is. Still, that's terrible. Yeah. I can't uh, believe that. Yeah, you know, he doesn't care. <laughs> I mean, that's Obviously. Like a, that's like a side piece. Yeah. He has seven other you know, uh, huge companies yeah, know. he's worried about. fucking space. That's a free speech passion project, I think. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, customer loyalty and customer advocacy? People talk a lot about marketing sales funnels. They talk about all the way to acquisition. They don't really talk about the after effect. Is is what you're doing part of that customer feedback loop that really does cr- increase that loyalty and uh, advocacy of customers for for brands? Yeah, look, we give brands the tools to be able to build those programs, and we do see much higher, you know, sort of retention and customer loyalty. I think beyond what we do, though, I think it's uh, how to put it the customer expectation around advertising has changed drastically, right? They don't want a big brand just telling them what the brand thinks, right? They don't want the brand coming and saying, Hey, you know, buy target because we're target, right? They much prefer somebody that is in their social group or friends of a friend, right? So like relatively close to the social group who says, you know, I, I went to target. I had this experience. Here's what it meant for me. And, you know, even though that's a paid influencer, all of a sudden that feels much more authentic to the customer and it leads to much better engagement. So I think that shift from a world where advertising just spoke at people to this sort of way of sort of being more ingrained in your life. It's even, you know, it's an SMS, so it's more personal, right? It's, you know, in Instagram, you know, within, you know, what your friends are doing, I think like that's a big shift and some brands are doing that well and making sure that they get more people creating user generated content target being one of them that tends to do it well. And other brands are, yeah, not taking advantage of it and, you know, maybe Bud Light being an example of somebody who did it really wrong and it's crushed their business. Yeah. Well, yeah. That that one's the funniest to me because they make fun of um, Anheuser-Busch or InBev for that gaffe. And it's like then they threw the um, – what was it? The owner of the agency that they hired and she was like, I thought, I thought this would be like uh, cutting edge. And they're like – Wow, the, you you're know, not, you've never had a Bud Light in your life. Like, you're not the demo. Yeah, no, I'm not making a comment about the original campaign. They, they tried to start engaging with influencers. Then the execution from there led to user-generated content being created against them and ultimately sales getting crushed. So, like, they weren't able to control the advocacy of their customer base. And so I think, like, you know, these brands that are smart today are shifting from, sometimes it's called shifting from sort of uh, rented media to owned media. You know, they're shifting from a world where you go on LinkedIn and you put it on LinkedIn. LinkedIn chooses who who it's shown to, to a world where I have a direct relationship with X customer and I can get in a conversation with them or show them a video or do whatever in a way that's much more personal and directed. And we can build that relationship together and the advocacy together. We'll never do rent to own media because that's a ripoff. You never pay that off. I'm still paying a couch, you know, for 25 years. 30 grand. Um, Alex, anything else you want to get off your chest before we uh, skedaddle? 
No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, best of luck to you guys in your new endeavor and, uh, you know, being the number one business comedy podcast in, in the country. I can't tell if you had a good time or not. <laughs> I like that you called it a new endeavor. Yeah. We're on episode 431. Yes. We've been doing this seven years. Seven plus. I thought, I thought my joke was okay, but it's okay. No, you're good, man. Uh, uh, appreciate you coming on regal.io if you want to check it out if you want to email him directly it's a at regal.io or hello at regal.io thanks for coming on thank you